What? No mushrooms? My grandpa died. Get some fucking mushrooms. <laughs> I'm Bryce, this is Plastic Urns, and that was Sebastian describing his niece ordering pizza after his dad died. If you were wondering about the accent, Sebastian is German. He's also a pilot, a photographer, a wizard when it comes to grilling, and a magnificent trivia partner because he somehow knows every song from the 80s. But he's here now to talk about his dad, Carl. He, he died of a heart attack, essentially. Well, bit of a bit of a longer story. So he's been a um, two, three pack a day smoker for a couple of decades before that, and then he already had like an issue with his legs, and they had to like pump some pump some congestion out a couple of years before that. While I was in London, and that was all fine. But he also then, you know, when decline happens, it never happens linearly. It is like a little bit, a little bit, and then you like almost fall over a cliff if yes. you don't actually fall. And it wasn't as bad as that, but he would be outside. He would look after like the church grounds and like more in the lawn and all this kind of stuff. And he kept doing that still, but it like, it would take him a day to do something that he'd five years ago would do like in an hour, mm-hmm. like clipping hedges and stuff. So he wasn't as fit anymore. And then one day he ate lunch, it was spaghetti. And then he uh, choked a little bit, as you sometimes do when you eat too fast. And then suddenly had like shooting pain in his chest and he, you know, started cold sweats and all, you know, the whole standard symptoms. And my brother, Norbert, was on the phone with my mom right afterwards while he was like lying down on the sofa to recover from that a little bit with a coffee that my mom made. Mm-hmm. And my mom kind of mentioned in passing, yeah, yeah, that was weird. Like he choked again, the stupid, I don't think she called him an idiot, but like, you know, he choked again and now he's like feeling all this and now, now we need to wait till he like, properly wakes up again my, my brother's like no get him to the doctor now and then she put him in the car and it is the countryside right it's not like the complete america style boonies but it's it's the countryside so you have to it, it was a wednesday and doctors normal you know practitioners are closed on wednesdays in germany at least in my region but there's an emergency doctor it's just one guy who covers for the region on that day and then they went there and they did like a quick checkup and they're like, no, no, you're going to the hospital like right now. And I don't know if they then went with the ambulance or if they drove, but then they went to the next town and uh, went to the hospital and then they did the further check. I remember them having, and this is like what I've been hearing from like my brother. The doctor was asking him questions like, you must be really weak, like looking at like your condition and stuff. And my dad was like, nah, I would bring the rubbish out like every day. And my mom, in passing, because she wasn't being talked to, just yelled at him like, yeah, and then he'd have to sit down for three hours. <laughs> Which is true. And he got like really thin and stuff. So it was clearly going that way. But it, essentially, like it was going there really quickly and then poof, it happened like heart attack. And then the, essentially the decision was, well, we have to do a bypass. That is no discussion. And we're doing it like the next morning. High chance he's not going to wake up. And I was in Switzerland at that time. And then they called me and said, listen, this is what's going down. Not looking good. So my brother came over and basically said goodbye. And my dad, I think the last thing he said was like, yeah, go. We'll see you tomorrow. So he was not in 
you, I don't think he was too scared. He was quite comfortable. He wasn't in pain, right? But obviously, he's probably a bit. Um, yeah, and then they put him under four in the morning, bypass surgery, and then he was still in a coma, and they were essentially saying, like, now nah, we looked at, like, what condition the arteries and veins were in, and, like, this isn't, this isn't going to work. And then they decided to pull plug in the morning. That was a Thursday, and then I was there on Friday morning. Took me a while to get there. Was it there on Thursday night? I can't remember. My dad's, my grandma, his mom had a stroke. I think she had a number of strokes and was in a, in a vegetative state, essentially, for, I think, seven years, like 10 years before that. So I think they were both very much like, nah, I don't want that. That's not my, that's not what I want. That's not going to happen. They decided that happened, and we were that didn't even get bring up, brought up because we're like, yeah, exactly, that's how it should work. How how much did you know it was going on? They told me on Wednesday. My brother called me Wednesday as they were like on the way to the hospital, and then they gave me like regular progress reports, essentially, really straightforward. Yeah, and then they just phoned me like, yep. So we pulled the plug, and yeah, then he died, and Mum was there, and yeah, and then we all came. Did you have a chance to say anything to him? No. No, they were straight up. And that was okay, too. I think, like, the, the only chance I would have probably had would have had if I would have been really insistent on a Wednesday, on that Wednesday when he was in hospital, like, after reception. But I was like, they've got different things to do than listening to me talk about, hey, her, what are you doing? Like, why, why are you doing crazy? Like, why, why in hospital? Jesus, you know, this, these kind of discussions you're going to have, it wouldn't have. I don't think it would have been too fruitful anyway. Plus, just, I think, a few, two, three weeks ago, he, we were over at our house. We told everybody that, that my wife was pregnant with the first, right? So they were like super happy. And we were quite glad that he knew that. They didn't get to meet each other, but you know, that happens. I didn't meet a number of my relatives for numerous reasons. Were you close with him? You are, you are. I mean, not a, a weekly call kind of close, but we were all quite different. Um, conservative is now a loaded word a little bit, but he's uh, he's like pretty much like conservative about going about things. Like he'd drive five miles below the speed limit. He would he would be really good filing papers and keeping stuff like handy and knowing where it is. He had like a workshop downstairs. He wasn't really too all too like talented of a handyman kind of thing. I think he knew that too, but he did that anyway. And it took a long time, you know, because he took his time. So that's. In that regard, like, we're right, quite different because I was just going to wing it. Yeah, it's, it's not that he was a loner, but he wanted his stuff by himself. Like, when we were over, like, when I came over from out of Shanghai or from whenever, wherever I was coming in from, he would come and eat dinner with us at least the first night. Other than that, he wouldn't anymore. He just want his dinner in front of the TV in the living room while we all ate in the dining room. So that's, that's the kind of person he was. And uh, the next thing that happened... Friday, we were all there. And then on Saturday, we had like a memorial service because my mom wanted to see him one more time. Because the last time she saw him was like tubes in, in the hospital and then, you know, lights out. And that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen because I didn't know that was a thing in Germany, like where you can prop up the body. And it was extra weird because it was in the funeral home where I was an altar boy for like 12 years, right? And I've probably been at more funerals than anyone I know, at least, right? Not just because... You do like the funeral service. They always need like an altar boy or two to do that. But because I lived on the church ground and my mom was like the, like active in the church, I was the guy they called over 
when it was a Wednesday or a Thursday and there was a funeral and there was a no-show. I'm like, can you just go and do it real quick? Yeah, so they would call me. And it, is, it was weird because it was in that, in that funeral home where I'd been hundreds of times. Like hundreds of times. That is no exaggeration. And my dad was there in the cask, propped up with a fake smile. <laughs> <laughs> and what I found out, con- like uh, little spiked contact lenses so the eyes stay closed. Oh, could you imagine the alternative to that there? Like little spike contacts so they stay open? Yeah. <laughs> like- oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like people would abuse that. They would like make the, dis- the most disgusting wink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that would be gross. Yeah. So yeah, contact lenses to keep uh, to keep them close, keep them shut. Wow, that's wild. But in this case, like I didn't like I didn't I didn't care. And again, it was extra extra weird because it was the hundred and fiftieth time I was there for a funeral or somehow funeral related thing. It was the first time I've seen somebody propped up because if, really? when I was like fifteen or fourteen and an altar boy, and that would have been the thing, that would have been the shit, man. That we would have been like, yo, how this is amazing. There's a dead body. <laughs> how did they do that? Because when you go there for an altar boy and it's your sixth funeral this month, you go there with a very different mindset than most other people that go there, right? So yeah. <laughs> you're sixth this. So yeah, that was the Saturday, and we all hang out together, hung out together in the afternoon. You know, dealt with grief the way my family deals with grief by telling disgusting jokes and getting drunk. That's what we did. Did you cry at all? Uh, yeah, I did. I did in the funeral home um, afterwards. We all got out. And everyone hugged each other, kind of, on that Saturday. And then I think we all kind of dispersed for a minute, and then we all just walked back to my mom's house. And like lots, like in that, lots of people were crying. And then there, um, afterwards, I just sat on the bench for a couple of minutes, but not too much, really, um, as compared to others in my, like in that circle that we were in. And then it went full on Schwer style, like, like. It got so sarcastic and so dark <laughs> so quickly. And uh, I think Mareka, who was already there. For reference, Sebastian is Mareka's husband. She was like half glad that she didn't understand everything <laughs> because we like speak fast and it's like regional dialect, right? But also like, how is this how you grieve? Like, you weirdos. <laughs> I think other people in shambles affect me more than what happens to, you know, circumstances that would put me in that position. Either it's just too pragmatic or it's just like, yeah, it's not going to change anything. And yeah, and then I don't know. That's just how my family copes. Immediately the jokes start. And it's just, it's weird, but it's a way to cope, right? And like we would call like the pizza place and because uh, we were like, we don't feel like making dinner. And then we call the pizza place like the village over to get pizza. And then I remember my niece is on the phone with them. And she shouts into the phone, it's like, what? No mushrooms? My grandpa died. Get some fucking mushrooms. <laughs> 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 it's just, you know, how you cope. Um, did you speak at the service at all? No. But I don't think we had anyone speaking at the service. It's just not something we do. No, it's but it's just something that doesn't like there was also when my when everyone got married, there weren't big speeches. Like I had, a, I had like two speeches at my wedding when we did it in Germany, and it was it wasn't weird, but people were like, "Oh, that's interesting." Yeah, we don't we don't do that. So like big speeches don't really happen. There's like a best man speech and things, but the American obsession with speeches during everything is not hasn't like that that didn't happen in Germany very often. And yeah, sometimes there's speeches. We just didn't we just didn't have that much. It was good though. It was it was it was, enjoy- it was really it was really nice um, doing it because you also see lots of people you haven't seen in a while. 
especially when I'm abroad and like you see like a bit of more distant family and they come and we hang out a little bit. So that was, that was certainly good. And then we all went back home and got more drunk and made more terrible jokes. Just after Sebastian's dad died, his wife, Marika's dad, also passed away, which resulted in them being in Chicago, trying to figure out what to do next. So Marika's dad was cremated and we were like, are we going to put them, like, what's, what, what are we going to do? Like, we have no connection with any of these cemeteries. So we like drove through a couple and like did like a visit, like checked things out. Like, what is it like? And like, dude, like. Chicago Midwest funeral homes in November or in October is, uh, it's just, that those place gave me the creeps. Like it was super creepy. Like, and I've experienced with funeral homes, right? <laughs> um, it's not like that. In Germany, everything's just essentially solid marble. Everything's clean. Boom. There's no decorations, not many. It's very straightforward. And yeah, how can we help you? You sort this out. And it's very pragmatic and it's clean and it's straightforward. And then here in the US, like everything's like fake dignity. Mm-hmm. It's that is it's it's always and it's so weird. And then there's like you have them, you're sitting in the conference room or something like that, right? And then but everything is different, weird, lifeless, muted colors, right? Everything was half-assed. And I'm like, what? Isn't this the one place where that shouldn't happen? And they're like so internal, and everything's like quiet and calm. Like even the receptionist has the receptionist has all like gigantic eighties hair, right? <laughs> and, um, and we visited like two or three of those, and we're like, "Yep, it's the same." But like we just decided to just not do it and just keep the ashes. So just like, nah, we're not doing it. Um, and uh, that was weird. Yeah, that creeped me out. Funeral homes. Ugh. I don't. I. I have to say, I've never seen. I've only seen the inside of one funeral home, and I can't imagine how you know everything's different in different countries. That's Brian, who's supporting our sound engineering and creative development. Yeah, I can't imagine how that would be different. Like you said, marble. It just sounds. It, they're all cold. Yeah, but marble sounds really fucking cold. That's true. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. It was cleaner. It just felt a little more like direct, I guess. Yeah, and without being clinical. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it has marble. Be- okay, it's not like this isn't like full on real marble, fancy kind of stuff, right? right? Yeah. It is literally. It's very functional and it's quite nice. It's like it's not that. It not. It's not much different. You can probably because it was all Catholic, right? You uh, can probably compare it to a toned down chapel, yeah, if you like, like yeah, not yeah, altar, yeah. but like nice and okay. like a couple of curtains. That's it. Mm, My mother always said that she didn't, um, and I I think this came from her mother too, but her father, I think, because we buried grandma. But anyway, she said, I don't want to be put in the dirt. That's not what I want to think of my, you know, I don't want to think of myself as rotting like that. And um, so she's, up until about two years ago, she was all about cremation. Uh And uh, I had an uncle that had a, I think he had a stroke and they you know they found him in the front yard whatever so we you decided to cremate him and so my mother describes the situation as this like you know in your head and i guess in any image that you see in a movie theater there's this thing and it's 
you know, there's ceremony and, you know, people are quietly weeping and they push you into this thing. No, nah, man. My mother was like, ne- please don't ever, please do not do that to me when I die. Well, because you had to watch said, the cremation. No, she said, okay, so they're sitting in a room where you have to do like the paperwork. And if somebody wants to say something, they can say something. It's like, this is, you know, essentially this is the burial. So they go through the, every other, any other ritual that you would if you're putting somebody in dirt Mm -hmm. and she says, once that's done then you sit down and like the event, the actual cremation is happening in this next room. But when they turn that shit on, bro, she, my mother was like, I thought I was sitting under a jet engine. Yeah. She said the whole place turned into a vacuum. It was this loud piercing noise. And then you hear like, you know, you don't hear the burning, but you can tell that a flame has kicked on yeah. and this process happens for a few minutes and then it's over. Like there's no ro- there's no romance. There's no, it is the antithesis of anything like Jeez. with finesse, you know? No, I'm not, I'm not down for that either. She it's totally a- switched up her whole thing after being, yeah. she, she said it, the, the word she kept using and mom's, it, we said this earlier, but like my mom's strong. She doesn't get shook. She, I can hear her shaking. You know, I can hear her. It really affected her. She was like, it was like, you know, it it, it, it was just like violent. Mm-hmm. This is the word she kept using. It was a violent thing. And I can't imagine like, you know, not only does she not want to go through that, but I can't imagine sitting there hearing all that and thinking like, yeah, that's, you know, the last few seconds of her physical. That's it. Yep. No, man. I think like a memorial is nice. And I think that's what, and that's where you, that's where you can stop. You know, everybody come together, drink or not, doesn't matter. Um, have a good old chat about stuff and connect. Like if my death is a opportunity for a bunch of people to see each other that haven't seen each other for 10 years. Awesome. That'll, that'll work out because I'm going to die anyway. So might as well. The question I thought Brian might ask was, did your dad dying right before you had a child change anything about raising that child or your view on grandparents or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, naturally, because they all grew up without one, uh, without a granddad. And granddad's supposed to, you know, he's the dude who carries you around when you hit your head at grandma's to like, you know, soothe you. And he's the dude who drives you around on a lawnmower. He's he's the dude who starts laughing when you hit your thumb when you're trying to put nails into a into a into a breadboard or something, you know? <laughs> that's 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 the granddad's job. And uh that that didn't happen. And yeah, so I know for a fact that George would have an amazing time with his granddad. For context, Sebastian has two young boys, George, who is four, and Henry, who is about six months. And he's not. So that's just a gap that you can't fill, right? <clears throat> and trying, like, who's going to fill it? Who's going to do that? So, no, that doesn't make sense. My nephew and all my nieces grew up with a grandpa, and he drove them around in the lawnmower. You know, he had a ride on the lawnmower because yeah. he was looking after the church grounds. Yeah. So laps and laps and laps and uh, yeah i mean every time they came over we every weekend we had a 
grandchild in our house, one of my nieces or my nephew. And 90% of the work, 95% of the work was my mom, mm-hmm. right? Feeding them, doing stuff. But they would still like adore my dad because, mm-hmm. you know, it's opa and opa this stuff. Yeah. But it's something that is really nice. Like my brother who's much older. Like my youngest brother is 13 years older than I am. They had way closer relationship to their opa because, you know, they had more time. And George and Henry don't. I felt that way about my cousins that, that knew my grandfather. And I didn't really think about... I found myself thinking about grandpa much more as I got older because, as you know, Pedersen, he was Danish through and through. You know, blonde hair, blue eyes, like... Fresh, you know, he got to St. Croix on a boat and like he was as Danish as they come. And my grandmother is as black, Crucian they call it, or Islander as they come. You know, like the two of them to be paired up in the 40s is like the biggest fuck you. You know what I mean? To culture all over the place. And, you know, my grandpa obviously clearly was a rebel. He was a smart man and he didn't give a fuck what anybody thought, you know. And he loved his family unconditionally, the stories that I hear about him. And I think that as, a, as an adult, especially in like the social climate that we're in right now with the race tensions and all the bullshit we have going on in the world, I really cherish the fact that I'm yeah. a mutt. You know, I cherish the fact that my grandfather spoke Danish with a islander accent you know his english was all sorts of fucked up because he just you know it was just a very raw place that he was coming from and they loved him his community loved him you know he worked for the government and like you know he was the one white man in the office everywhere he went and they just you know he wasn't seen you know and I'd never met him. I never knew him. But everything that everybody tell he was a raging drunk. Too. Like, <laughs> not like mad, you know. He was a very happy drunk. But he was. He would get fucking sloppy, <laughs> you know. He'd get sloppy and he'd tease you and he'd tell you your head was too big and all that <laughs> shit. And at the end of the day, he treated everybody with love and he got, you know. So I just, you know, me un- understanding my lineage and like. You know, I I would like to believe that the 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 good parts of him, the parts of him that people admired, that I have some of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I I wish I wish I had a frame of reference of what Grandpa was like, so I could just have that understanding of of myself. You know, I think it would give me a more rounded understanding of where the hell I came from. Like, and it's just weird. This this blonde haired blue eyed Danish man is my grandfather. Like yeah. that's. That's a concept that I've never really, I, I never had the opportunity to experience. First and there's hand, probably no. a bunch of people your age in the same situation in Denmark, in fucking yeah. Alborg, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and they don't, yeah. they might not even know there's 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 Brian in SF hanging out, and they would love to no. because they only know it from the movies. It's true. Yeah. Um. So yeah. That's good. All right, what else you got? It strikes me that like the, the saddest you are about your dad's death is that it's not necessarily him being dead for yourself, but that your kids don't get a grandfather. Yeah. I know what it can be like, and I know what my dad was like with my nieces and my nephew. Mm-hmm. And 
I know it would be the same with George, which would be extra hilarious because George understands German, but he doesn't speak German. Like he uses it to make fun of me. <laughs> but he doesn't like I speak German to him and he 99% understands what's going on. And but then he speaks English. So my dad doesn't speak English. Like none. <laughs> and it would have just been hilarious. <laughs> Watching them deal with each other. Is there anything you wish that you could say to your dad? Uh, I wish I could tell him like what George's doing and how we're doing here and stuff. He was always like slightly mesmerized by America. <laughs> it was a very big thing when he came over for my wedding, for our wedding in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, I made him do a speech yet again. Not a big thing, Germany. It's funny because also he, I've seen him, he was he was crying a little bit during when I, when I got married. Like I have photos <laughs> of that. I got proof. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. and he doesn't really do that otherwise. But there, right? So mm -hmm. positive. I don't. I can't remember him crying when his when his uh, mom passed away. Mm -hmm. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't want to show us. You know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> so uh, my mom has a had a feud with the funeral home owner in my home village. <laughs> Pray tell. Feud. Pray tell. Her name. Her name's Valborga. She also runs the flower shop, but it's like next to the funeral home. So that's most of her business. And she was doing the propping my dad up business kind of thing. And um, I think my brother told a story. Yeah, my brother's in Cologne and it's Sunday morning. He's super hungover. The phone rings and my mom's like, come home, come home now. And he's like, what? It's like, get, shut up, get, get in the car and come here. And he's like, okay, fine. Right? And gets in the car, drives up, takes like 45 minutes to get there. And she gets there, and he gets there, and my mom's basically like, "Get it was I, I think it was Pentecost, some Catholic holiday. What they do in uh, in my village is they put a lot of flags on the church grounds, mm -hmm. you know, where you can then do the procession through and stuff like this. And to put the flags down, you put like a retainer in the ground, tink tink tink, and then you put the flagpole in it, and you hang up the flag. Flags like five feet high, so." No big deal. Anyway, he gets there. She hands him like 50 of the retainers going like, put them in the ground, do it now. And he's like, but dad does it every year. And she's like, shut up, do it. And he's like, okay, fine. Right? And then he just starts putting them in and whatever. And like the people come to church and he's like, yeah, hi. <laughs> tink, tink, tink. And like no idea what happens. And he comes home and he finds out what happened later. So what happened is that Valborga, uh, Valborga's oldest son, was uh, like roughly in the same age range as my brother, he is in the voluntary firefighters. Mm -hmm. Now, voluntary firefighters drink a lot in Germany. I don't know if you can like see the connection like Germans, right? But um, he got super hammered the night before around somewhere in a different village or whatever. Super duper, super duper hammered. And he tries to drive his car home and it ends up in a ditch. Like, doesn't get, doesn't get hurt. He just bonk into the ditch mm -hmm. next to the road. And he's like, well, fuck, fuck, fuck. What am I going to do? Oh, great idea. I have the keys to the fire department in the village. So he goes over there, drunk, opens the door, gets one of the fire trucks out, drives over and tries to pull his own car out, right? <laughs> and he does it quietly and it works. Like this is right outside the village. And it, and it works and the car comes out, but the, the string is taut and the tension releases and the car like rolls against the fire truck in the back that startles him. He hits the accelerator and drives the fire truck in the ditch. <laughs> 
at that point, he's like, oh, shit, better get the other fire truck to pull that one out. But at that point, the police is there. It's like a huge fucking thing. So that's what happened to Valborga's son, right? And then the picture is, the next morning, here's my brother. Tink, tink, tink. <laughs> morning. <laughs> <laughs> that's how shit gets played. That's oh, so petty. It's yeah. <laughs> hilarious. Well, so why did your mom have beef, beef with uh, Valborga? It's like almost a battle of who's the first woman in the village kind of thing, right? <laughs> and like, they just didn't. It's a very nice lady. She made my dad smile last time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. See, that's the kind of... <laughs> but see, this is the kind of jokes that we've been like yeah. dishing out that Saturday. Like, or, like <laughs> this, that's exactly the level. And we would piss each other off. And Marika's like, who the fuck? Like, I, I, I thought I knew you <laughs> We are... Uh... We hope that conversation put a smile on your face. Thank you so much to Sebastian, to Brian Pedersen for the support, and Coco Brudden for the music. Get excited for next week, where we talk with Lucas about ice cream, Aaron Sorkin, and how to tell your kids Grandpa just died. As always, tell your friends about us, do cool things, and if you liked it, give us a review wherever you listen. Thanks. Thanks.